Good morning, everyone. It's our first Sunday back with two services, right? Yeah, so looks like I see a couple new faces. Basically, what we're doing here is we have Sunday school here, and we have the main service back there, and then um, next service at 1030, we'll, we'll, we'll flip, and you guys will all be in there. Um, and between, between the two services, we'll, we could be, there's some food downstairs and some time to fellowship. Um, yeah, so we're going to have a time of teaching, and then we're going to break up into discussion groups. There's a discussion group up here, and there will also be one downstairs. And there's some questions in the back, and it looks like Bob's passing some out. Thank you. Um, yeah, so we're continuing in our study of Second Peter. Um, this is the, the third passage we are looking at in this series. Uh, we are in Second Peter chapter 1, verses 12 through 15. The Apostle Peter is nearing the end of his life, and the passage here shows us the legacy he's wanting to leave with this book, namely that you cannot separate the grace of God from a life of virtue and godliness, especially as we approach the last days. That's what this letter is about. So we're going to read the passage, and we're going to pray, and then we're going to get into it. I'm reading from the CSB. Again, we're in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 12. Therefore, I will always remind you about these things, even though you know them and are established in the truth you now have. I think it is right, as long as I am in this bodily tent, to wake you up with a reminder, since I know that I will soon lay aside my tent, as our Lord Jesus Christ has indeed made it clear to me. And I will also make every effort so that you are able to recall these things at any time after my departure. Let's pray. Father, I, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word, God, um, that, it's, that it's good for us and it equips us. I pray that as we um, look into your word that we will, we will learn from it, that we will be reminded by it, that we will be edified by it. I, pr- I pray that as we, as we listen to your word today and as we listen to um, the main service afterwards, I pray that you will, you will open our hearts to your word, that, that we might grow more into your grace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. Now, throughout this passage, Peter repeats the idea of remembrance and recall. Peter's goal is not to share truth that they haven't heard before, but to remind them of what they already know. Reminding believers is close to the heart of Peter's purpose in writing this epistle. We see the purpose later on in in chapter 3. 2 Peter 3, 1 through 2 says this, Dear friends, this is now the second letter I have written to you. In both letters, I want to stir up your sincere understanding by way of reminder, so that you recall the words previously spoken by the holy prophets and the command of our Lord and Savior given through your apostles. So Peter is writing to cultivate more genuine faith in his readers, and the way he does that is through reminders. Reminders can sometimes be hard to hear, right? It's easy to to tune something out if you already know what they're saying, we, we tend to crave something different, something new, um, something that'll excite us. 
we want to hear something that we haven't heard before. What we will see here is that what we really need to hear is the truths of Scripture that have been established long ago. We don't need to go on a journey to discover anything new. Uh, we need reminders of the gospel. Now, as we go through this text, we see three main reasons for why Peter is intent on giving his recipients a reminder. First, it's because of the nature of his message. We'll see that as we look at verse 12. Second, we'll see Peter's urgency in giving a reminder. We'll see that in verses 13 and 14. And then third, we'll see how reminders help us persevere. So, we'll begin with the preciousness of the truths that Peter is teaching. Verse 12 begins, Therefore, I will always remind you about these things, even though you know them and are established in the truth you now have. So, the verse starts with therefore, and that should immediately be an indicator to us that we look what came before it, right? So, what we need to figure out is what's so important about what came before it that Peter finds it worth reminding them about it again and again, or always, as he says, or continually. One thing to note here in, in what we see before in like verses 3 through 11 is, is what, that what we've been given is sufficient. If we look at verse 3, Peter tells us that his divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness. God in his grace has given us his word. Since we have his word, we don't need any new revelation from God. Peter tells us that we have everything that we need. So part of the reason that Peter intends to continually remind his recipients of God's word is because it is all they need to know. It's sufficient, right? We are never lacking some new revelation from God. There is no such thing as brand new spiritual truths. What we need are, the, are reminders of God's word. Scripture itself is sufficient, and we have everything that we need for life and godliness. Um, it's, not that, it's not, though, that we'll never hear anything new. It's quite the opposite. We will always be learning more, but we will never grow up beyond the truths that we have. Instead, we're going to grow deeper into those truths. There's a quote I love. I don't remember who, who said it. I, th I think it may, may have been Augustine, but th that the truths of Scripture are, are shallow enough for, for a child to wade in, but, but deep enough to, for an elephant to swim in. And, and the idea is that, that, for, that when we look at Scripture, even, even if you're, you're young, you can still understand it, and it's still applicable to your life. But the more and more you study it, you're not going to get to a point where you just know all of it and you don't need to grow more with it. Um, yeah, and in, in verse 12, um, we see another reason. Uh, Peter tells us that, that it is not, or we see, another, we see a reason not to love reminders. Or, excuse me, Peter tells us that it is not a reason to, not sure what I meant there. <laughs> In verse 12, he says, even though you know them and are established in the truth, you now have. So we, we, we're given a reason of, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Peter's audience evidently knows everything that he wants to remind them of. And, and this isn't just basic knowledge, right? Peter says that they are established in the truth. 
if you think you have a good reason for why you don't need a reminder, uh, it's probably something like, oh, I've heard this before, or, oh, I know this already. Reasons like that aren't good enough for Peter. You still need continuous reminding, even if you know what you're already about to remind it of. Because that's the situation that Peter's recipients are in. They know the truth, they're established in the truth, but he says, you need a reminder, and it's still important for them. Um, yeah, and moving on to verses 13 and 14, we see that Peter intends to give reminders because that's his present responsibility. He says, I think it is right that as long as I am in this bodily tent to wake you up with a reminder, since I know that I will soon lay aside my tent as our Lord Jesus Christ has indeed made it clear to me. So Peter has a special position as one of the apostles of Jesus. So for him, he sees it as right or fitting or correct that as, as for long as he lives, he ought to stir up the church with the truth. So I mentioned he was an apostle. What's an apostle? That's a word we throw around a lot, right? The word itself means someone who is sent out or commissioned. In the context of the church, an apostle is a certain office or position that God had provided for his church. Mark 3, 14 through 15 can give us some insight into Peter's position here. There it says that Jesus appointed 12, referring to the disciples, whom he also named apostles, what Peter is, to, to one, be with him, two, send them out to preach, and three, have authority to, to drive out demons. So we see a couple things going on there. We see that this position for someone who is, this is a position for someone who is called by Jesus, called by Jesus directly. Uh, when the search, for example, when the search began for a replacement for Judas, they searched for someone who was a witness to the resurrected Christ. The Apostle Paul himself defends his apostleship on his encounter with the risen Lord. In addition to being with Jesus, the other thing we saw in that, in that Mark passage is the special authority given by Jesus. The office of apostle was a special limited edition position that served a purpose in that period of redemptive history. There are no more apostles today as no one can claim that they were physically with the risen Jesus, much less directly sent out by him. Of course, God calls all believers, but the commission that the apostles had was unique. In fact, one of the criteria for how we identify a book to be inspired in, in, in the New Testament is if it is written by an apostle or if it's someone connected to an apostle. Ephesians 2.20 tells us that the church is built on the foundation of apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. So, Peter is in a position here, along with the other apostles, to grow the church. So for him, nudging the church along is a responsibility that is incumbent on him as an apostle. That's, why he's take, that's part of why he's taking this so seriously. He's an apostle of the Lord Jesus, and his goal is to remind everyone of the truth. As long as he lives, he is to prompt the church with the truth. The phrase he uses is, as long as I am in this bodily tent. This tent or, or dwelling carries the idea of weakness or, 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 um, or, or a temporary nature of the body. This body isn't built to last, and time is running out for Peter. It's similar to, to what we see at the beginning of 2 Corinthians 5. Uh, we have this 
there's a temporary tent analogy there as well, while we wait for, for an eternal dwelling. What, what Peter says he's doing is more than just reminding, but he says he's, he's waking them up with a reminder, or some translations say to stir you up. Um, so, so we see the, the seriousness that he's going at this with. It's not, it's not kind of a gentle, um, hey, by the way, remember this, but it's kind of like a grabbing by the shoulders, hey, pay attention to this. And especially in, if we look at the light of the rest of Second Peter, where we see false teachers coming into the church, Peter's goal is to strengthen the church against these false teachers um, and against all the heresies that are coming in, uh, especially as the, the end, end of the ages are, are, are coming in. He wants to, to wake them up, to remind them of the truth. Um, Peter continues, I will soon lay aside my tent as the Lord Jesus Christ has indeed made it clear to me. Peter's death appears to be imminent. The, the temporary nature of his earthly dwelling is again stressed by Peter. His mortality is on his mind as he considers what he wants to leave behind. Knowing that his time is limited, this leads Peter to focus his efforts on ensuring that the church knows the truth well. That's the kind of impact that Peter wants to have. It's not just to be remembered as someone who's you know, kind or smart or, or great, or even that people remember him. But what he wants to, but the impact, the kind of impact he wants to leave is, is he wants to leave the world knowing that he shook people awake to the beauty of God and the coming judgment. I love how, how Matthew, Matthew Henry describes this passage. The nearness of death makes the apostle diligent in the, busy, in the business of life. Nothing can so give composure in the prospect or in the hour of death as to know that we have faithfully and simply followed the Lord Jesus and sought his glory. Those who fear the Lord talk of his loving kindness. This is the way to spread the knowledge of the Lord, and by the written word they are enabled to do this. I love that because we're really equipped to live as, as Peter lived, to be sharing the word with one another, to, to, to remind one another, and to push one another closer to Christ, edifying one another. Uh, the verse ends this way, as the Lord Jesus has indeed made it clear to me. Although it's not entirely clear what Peter meant by this, it may refer to a prediction of Peter's death recorded in um, John 21, 18 through 19. There, there Jesus indicates to Peter and the other apostles the, the kind of death that he would, he would die. There is not an indication as to, to when, but Peter probably realizes that as he's getting older, the time when he will be called to lay down his life for his Lord approaches quickly. It's also possible that Peter's referring to something that's, that's not referenced here. It's always a possibility. Um, but, but what we see here is his, his death is, is approaching quickly. Um, and it's, it's kind of like a testament that he has at the, at the end of his life, his last words that he wants to leave the church with. Uh, the end of Peter's life is not the only thing that's pressing the urgency of the reminders, though. The book of Second Peter itself is filled with warning about the end of all things. Peter will go on to warn about false teachers bringing in destructive heresies. 
before truth becomes an endangered species, it's important to be prompted to hold fast to what is right. Verse 15 tells us this, and I will also make every effort so that you are able to recall these things at any time after my departure. This is, this is again in light of his limited time. We see again him stressing that his time's running out. He's, he's about to leave. He's about to go to heaven. He's about to be with the Lord again and no longer serving the church on earth. We see again his, his seriousness here as he's you know, making every effort to do this. It's, it's no light task. He's, he, he wants to dedicate himself to this task, dedicate his, his life to continue reminding the church while, while he has time on earth. Peter's, Peter's desire for his recipients to recall the truth comes as a contrast to his, his earlier warning in verse 9 about forgetting. So if we look in Second um, Peter 1 verse, 1 verse 9, we, we see there's a reference there to, to forgetting. And remember, in, in our passage today, we have um, a lot about recall and, and remembering. So we, there's a contrast there. Verse 9 says, the person who lacks these things, the, the qualities that he's been, he's been mentoring before, like love, um, those, the person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. Unlike this person, Peter wants them to recall these things at any time. Instead of forgetting, he wants us to be able to, to remember. The forgetful person, Peter says, is, is nearsighted, um, short-sighted. He's not, he's not seeing everything that he, he should. He's only seeing what, what he, he thinks is immediately relevant to him. When, when someone gives you a reminder, the realities that were, that were just out of sight come into view. Um, reminders give you a better picture of reality. Without them, it's, it's easy to start walking blind. Now, P- Peter says that he's contrasting this with someone who's forgetting the cleansing from our sins. And if, if instead of that, we are to, to recall and keep in mind the cleansing of our sin. What's the, what's the advantage of that? Why is, why is Peter wanting us to, to recall instead of forgetting? Especially with something like forgiveness of sins. Cleansing, cleansing from our sins is something that, that already happened if we're believers, right? It, it happened when, when, we, when we became saved. And in a very real sense, it, it happened on the cross. So what, what, is reminding, what is remembering doing for us? Because you don't get re-cleansed by sin by remembering it either. But having recall of our, clen- of our cleansing from sin is important to, to living like a forgiven person. When you remember something, you act in light of that. You act in light of that knowledge. And when you forget something, you act as if that thing that you've forgotten doesn't exist or, or it's never happened. We see that all the time in how the Bible talks about forgetting or remembering. For example, when the Bible talks about how God remembers our sin no more, um, it's an interesting phrase because obviously God knows everything, but when, he for, when it says here that he forgets our sin, he's acting as if that sin never existed, right? And so for us, 
our, our forgetting is, is kind of similar in that like when we forget something, we're not really living like that thing is true. We're, um, we're living if, if, as if that you know, never happened in the first place. So if we act in the light of the, so if we act in light of our knowledge of us being cleansed, we can't go back to our previous life. Um, recalling our forgiveness should lead us to cultivate in our lives the virtues that, that Clark was sharing last week from, from that passage. Reminders of the gospel should, should motivate us to pursue Christ more deeply. And, and, and we saw in that passage all, all the things that, that we should be pursuing, uh, starting from faith and, and going to love, um, and how, how, how all of that is really uh, a participation um, in God himself. Um, and, and what we were just looking at um, about motivating each other is especially true when we, when we realize that entrance, the entrance into the kingdom is at stake. After talking about forgetting in verse 9, Peter says in, in verses 10 through 11, Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election, because if you do these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly provided for you. Now, of course, this doesn't mean that we, we earn our entry into the kingdom, right? If, if we do the right things, um, if we follow those virtues, we're, we're, we're going to be... We're, uh, we're going to earn our way into the kingdom. It, it, as, it, as it says, it's richly provided for us. It, it's beyond what we're, what we're, what we're earning. But, but for Peter, he still sees a connection between the things that we do um, or, and the, the, the virtues that we pursue and an entry into the kingdom. There, there is something at stake here. P Peter's not just concerned that, you know, that they'll, they'll like, lose rewards or something, but, but that they might not enter into the kingdom in the first place. Peter's, reminder are, Peter's reminders are pleading with the people to turn away from their sin and from the false teachers and, and to turn to Christ and to his kingdom and, and to pursue him. But, but this doesn't mean that we will lose our salvation either if we forget the truth. Um, those, those who fail to listen to reminders prove that they weren't Christians in the first place. Hebrews, Hebrews 3, 12 through 14 is, is helpful in thinking about this. Watch out, brothers and sisters. Um, yeah, Hebrews 3, 12 through 14. Watch out, brothers and sisters, so that there won't be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage each other while it is still called today so that none of you is hardened, so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. For we have become participants in Christ if, if we hold firmly until the end the reality that we had at the start. That last sentence is key. Only those who, who persevere are the ones who truly had Christ in the first place. That's why Peter has been stressing, uh, confirming our calling and, and election. He, he wants us to, to be those at the end of the day who, who stand um, as, as justified by Christ in the first place. And, and we confirm that by pursuing Christ, by heeding reminders, by heeding warnings, and all of that. And that, 
and all of that is kind of showing us why Peter is, is wanting us to, to remember these things. And throughout scripture, we see constant emphases on, on, remember, on, on remembering things, on, on reminders and, and monuments. As we see Israel going, making their journey to the promised land, they're, they're setting up monuments all over the place. Um, in Deuteronomy 6, we see, we see that, that Moses wants the people to remind their children daily and to, and to talk about the word and to keep that in their conversations. Um, and, and even if you, if you look at like, the songs that we sing and the fact that we have psalms in the first place, um, truths that we have um, are able to, to repeat over and over again, and we see people uh, memorizing scripture, all of that is to, to keep in our minds the truths of scripture. Um, and one of, my, one of my favorite passages about, about remembering is in Philippians 3, where... Let's see here. Philippians is, is a book about, about joy, right? Uh, Paul is constantly, I almost said Peter. Paul is constantly throughout the book reminding, reminding them to rejoice over and over. He's like, rejoice in the Lord, rejoice in the Lord. Um, rejoice as this person does. Rejoice because of this. Um, I'm rejoicing in my chains. And, and all of this, he's continually reminding them. And in chapter 3, verses 1, he says, in addition, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. To write to you again about this is no trouble for me and is a safeguard for you. And what I love about that is even though Paul has, you know, throughout this letter been, been saying, hey, rejoice. I'm going to say it again. Rejoice. He's, he's saying it over and over because it's a safeguard for them. It, it, it keeps them um, closer to Christ. It, it's pointing them to Christ. And that, that's kind of the function that reminders serve. They, they, they draw us to Christ. Um, yeah, and I, and I love also like that Paul says it is no trouble for him. As, as Christians, we, we, shouldn't be, um, we shouldn't be hesitant to, to give reminders. For, for, Paul, for, Paul, this is, for Paul and Peter, this is something that, that they want to come easy to them something that comes naturally to them. And, and especially for, for us who are, who are prone to, you know, prone to wander and, and prone to leave the God we love, we need reminders for us to, to help us keep pursuing Christ and, and to confirm our calling and election. We need reminders uh, to, to, to point us that way because, well, yeah, we forget a lot. And it might not even be, be a sin thing. God has just created us limited and he's created us as a creature not to have infinite knowledge and god designed us to live in community and to live with one another and he designed us to um to grow and so we should embrace reminders that that others give us um, there's, there's a temporary but long and difficult road ahead and we need promptings that that keep our eyes fixed on christ as we journey along so that's, that's Peter's goal with this passage, to use reminders for us to keep pursuing a, a virtuous life. So I'm going to pray, and then we're, we're going to break up into groups. <coughs> Father, I, I thank you for this day. Uh, God, I thank you that, that in all of our lives that, that you kept 
pursuing us and you, you kept reminding us. Um, and, and we thank you for your, your grace in that. Thank you the, the grace that reminders are to us, uh, that, that you, you grow us through reminders. And I pray that, that we, will, we will love reminders and that we will know when to, to give reminders to, to us as to others as well. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your word. Thank you for how, how rich it is. And I pray that as we, as we dis- go into discussions, that, that we will learn more about you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.